0: I was watching the Gerger World Cup slalom a few weeks ago on TV. This is something I've done for years. It is a perfectly normal way for me to spend a weekend day. What was wildly different this time, though, was that when bib 28 pushed out of the gate, I put my helmet on, grabbed my skis, went up the gondola, and 20 minutes later, I was pushing out of the start gate of my first ever World Cup race. Guys, I, I don't always tell you my personal news, but this was just so cool. Racing World Cup has always been the dream, and I got to do it. Unfortunately, I only made it halfway down before straddling, but I was there, and I participated. And Arc City's journalistic coverage of the World Cup is now a whole lot more informed. Speaking of all that, the Gurgle Slalom was Atla McGrath's first World Cup back from injury. I interviewed him a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago now actually, in Sasve. Let's get to it. Are back. I'm Jimmy Krupka, and welcome to Arc City. Arc City is presented by Ski Racing Media, and this episode is sponsored by On Location. Also, a shout out to Sync Performance and the World Cup Dreams Foundation for supporting me this season. And now, the 23-year-old Norwegian skier, who was born in Vermont, by the way, but more importantly, who is a two-time World Cup slalom winner. Without further ado, Atle Lee McGrath. Atle McGrath, welcome back to Arc City.
1: Back to Arc City, thank (laughs) you. Is this the first ever second take you've had to do? Yeah, I've never had
0: to do a second take before.
1: I'm pretty pretty privileged then to be the first ever second take on the Arc City podcast. Yeah,
0: yeah, so for those listening who don't know, um, I fumbled the SD card. It ended up in a pocket of coins or something. I think that's what made it die. But when I went to plug in the SD card of the conversation that Otley and I had in copper of last year. Like November. Uh, didn't also, work. Yeah. yeah. November of last year. It didn't work. Sweet. So we're back. Um, I pulled up the same questions. Actually, it was a pretty loose outline I'm looking at right now. Um, so we'll kind of hit some of the same points that we did talked about last time that nobody heard except for us <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. like maybe Lucas in the other room. I don't know. Yeah,
1: that's true. Yeah, he was there. I forgot.
0: Um, yeah. And yeah, we'll, we'll go from there. Sweet. So first of all, to situate us where we are right now, we're in Saas Fee, Switzerland. Uh, glacier training in the mornings, hanging out in the afternoons. Uh, you are doing your return to return to well, you did return to gates already in New yeah. Zealand. Yeah. So just walk kind me of re- through kind of your progression back on snow from injury.
1: Yeah. So it's been, uh, you know, I took I tore my ACL in the World Champs in February, uh, which is now seven months ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Do you know the exact date on that?
1: I think it was like the eighth or ninth of February.
0: I I I don't know the exact date of my of my leg injury and i yeah. kind of like not knowing yeah, it, you okay, know yeah. i don't yeah, know if you're like superstitious about i'm not the superstitious
1: date. you know actually a funny thing that we can pull up um because it's we do this later is that in the january 8th 2021 lucas and i we both uh tore our both. mcls yeah in Adelboden, january 8th 2023 we were first and second in the slalom Oh, that's, that's exactly so cool. two years after. Isn't that kind of cool? Yeah. So I'm not superstitious, but that, that happened exactly on the day two years later, crazy. And I it took me like a couple of months to realize, but I'm not superstitious about injuries. And uh, so I'm about seven months through the process. I'm in this like phase now where I'm almost healthy, but I still got to be a little bit careful and I've had a good process. I mean, it's anyone who's been through an ACL like injury knows it's it's a beast of a of a injury it's takes so much patience it's a lot of pain and like especially my first three months of rehab at home in norway was like filled with lots of discomfort really Uh, not so much swelling but just you know just like muscular pain from where they took the graft out and a lot of stiffness and then something happened like i took a one week uh, vacation (laughs) in uh, in there's the american accent yeah exactly in greece um in like May, uh-huh. and I came back from it, and then just like all of a sudden something had clicked and it helped.
0: The ocean is healing.
1: It, it might be the ocean, you know. Seriously, yeah, yeah. I have
0: theories on this, um, but it's it's really funny the amount of people I talk to that go, you know what? I just had a vacation. Yeah. I went to the ocean, and, and next it, thing you know, it's like my knee is good or my leg is. You know, good. it yeah. was
1: it was I like I had especially I had a bone bruise on the back of my on the back side of my knee that was so frustrating and it was like hurt to walk and i came home and it was gone it like disappeared in a day you know one day on vacation i woke up i'm like huh it's gone so it's maybe it's something yeah but after that i had a really good summer with my team did a lot more than i thought i could do and like actually did the program not like the weight training yeah weight training all that we played tennis i you know did some gymnastics just easy and then uh in August, the first of around the first of August, which was right around, it's a little over a month ago now, a month and a half. I Had my first days of skiing, which was like indoors in Norway, and I oh, had five, yeah. five days indoors in Norway, and then went to New Zealand for twenty days, which was, I was not sure if I was gonna get like make it, yeah. But since the progress was so good, it was like okay, we're gonna get to go, and I'm so glad I did because I had like fifteen awesome days of skiing there, just. I think I had like 13 days of free skiing and slow drills and I was the same 13 place days. and I had five days indoors. So I had like at least, almost I had like 18 days of only free skiing and slow drills before I even touched a stubby gate.
0: Were you getting so sick of it S- or
1: surprisingly not? I thought I would. I thought I was going to get so bored and it was a couple days. I was feeling it when the other guys were training and the conditions were like perfect and I just it wasn't necessarily feeling like I was missing out. It was just like seeing them rip and being like, oh, I'm so far away. But then once I started doing some brushes and then I went into the real course, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, like free skiing actually helps. Yeah. So now I had I've had uh I had a couple days in New Zealand uh with uh Gates and then I had two two um days indoors in Norway where I skied on ice for the first time, which was kind of sketchy, but it was good. Yeah. And then now I've had three days here with like my first real gs training like actually somewhat intense
0: yeah yeah i mean it's decently steep like you did you have ice yeah i had some ice but it's
1: more just speed
0: yeah fast. actually you know i think
1: we can all every skier can relate that once you like you can ski on easy slopes and then once you hit those quicker slopes then it's quite the shock for the body to begin with so
0: yeah for sure
1: but yeah i'm happy it's been good um seven months out now uh you know Hopefully, I think the first races are coming up and not too long, and uh, we'll just you know see where i uh see what happens you know yeah you race.
0: were so you were saying to me before we started, probably won't do solden,
1: yeah, that's I kind of put away sold a while ago, yeah. uh just because it's so much stress for one race uh and it's something about like I'm trying to look like I have a long career ahead of me still at yeah. this one race, and if I don't race it, I buy myself like. A month until the next race, and yeah, then cause... also six weeks until the next GS. So then oh. you just have so much prep. Yeah. So that's why it's. That's it's smart. Yeah. I think so that's so really it's smart. it's uh, I'll see. Like with the progression I have now, I feel like I would be ready to go in a race in 30 days, but I just I'm not gonna push it.
0: Yeah, well, it's 30 days away, huh? It
1: is only 30 days away. Wow, which is crazy, <laughs> isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's crazy. So fast. Uh, I felt
1: like it was just summer.
0: Yeah, and it still feels like summer. Like yeah. we were. For those listening again we were going to do it out on the porch of this of like the hotel room and it's way too hot out there
1: yeah i can't can't sit there for the talk yeah. so now but that's that's why it, it comes so fast on you. yeah it really does
0: yeah and um yeah i think volume is huge just getting those reps in after your injury do you ever find that like when you first started skiing In gates again, you're like, wow, I'm going fast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, big time. My first days in New Zealand, I was like, holy, this is like sketchy, man.
0: And then you're like, you watch your video and you're like, I can't believe how slow I'm going. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. totally.
1: And then you're just, that's classic. Uh, And then, uh, you know, it was the same here. Like, I went up the first day uh, on the fists if anyone listening has been there in Sasfe. And I go out and I start further down and I hit the course and I like go four gates and then I stop. (laughs) Because I was like, this is so much faster than what I'm used to, and then I yeah. took like a couple of runs to get into it, and then all of a sudden it was good.
0: Yeah, and um, you have that that base of free skiing, so like your skiing is yeah. solid right now. Exactly, and that makes so, it all uh, yeah better.
1: That helps a lot. So, but it's it's a it's like a process which is fun and tiring at the same time because it's something about being injured and then really starting from scratch. Yeah, which is kind of uh, exciting. Because you see a lot of progress and you can really focus on the small things. But then again, it's like you're starting from scratch. Yeah, kind of feels like you've lost a lot of the things that you've built up over the last years.
0: I, I can definitely relate to that. the The coming back from injury sucks, but also you make progress every day, which is something that it feels like once you're back to normal in everyday ski racing, you have these crazy ups and downs sometimes. And it's just a beautiful thing to always be improving. It's mm. kind of crazy. Yeah, it is. It's nice. So um,
1: I'm enjoy. I'm enjoying this period where I just feel better and better. Yeah, day, you know? that's true. It, it's nice. Yeah, and it, it gives like I don't know if if it's confidence or fake confidence, but it gives confidence for like sure. A good yeah. feeling that like ah, oh, I'm just getting better and better. So it's fun. And mm. then you know, I'm looking, I got plenty of skiing coming up this uh, this fall and yeah. going into the winter. So I'm not stressed about. It.
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask you. Um, sorry to interrupt you. Um, no stress. I was gonna ask you about what your what races. We'll we'll get to my whole like list of topics, but I feel like now that we're on the topic of the injury, yeah. we might as well get deep into it because it's 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 interesting to talk about. So, what races are you gonna do? Are you gonna do Super G this year? Slalom GS. Is that the plan? Slalom and GS for sure.
1: Super G, I'm gonna train this year. Like, Fist has put up a pretty tough race calendar this year. So it doesn't look that realistic to do many. Maybe some after Christmas. But again, it's um, last year I had the experience of trying to put on more events. And, you know, I raced in the end with the World Champs. I ended up racing in four different events. You know, like Slalom, GS, Super G, N, combined. And I was like... I was able to perform well. I had like top five results in all of them. But then again, I wasn't as good in slalom and GS as I was the year before. So it took a little bit away. Like that was how it ended up being for me because it's so tough to combine, especially with the slalom. So I think I kind of matured a little and realized like now with injury, I need to be smarter. But also it's it's more fun to fight for podium and wins in two events than top fives in four events.
0: That makes sense. If that kind of
1: makes sense. Yeah. So that was something I just had to learn the hard way yeah uh, in a sense um, so with that experience i'm um, I'm just really putting my eye in on solomon G s trying to nail it from the start of the season, get into a good flow, and if I have time for some super G races, I will, but I'm for sure gonna s- train super G because I absolutely love it, yeah, and I think it helps skiing.
0: yeah, I think that definitely helps, and it's fun do you do you have like more respect for guys like Pintero or Bodie like I think Bodie had a week one year or not a week sorry a month one year we won in every single event yeah yeah. like is that mind-blowing now now that like you're at the top of the sport and you're and you're trying to add events and it's just like
1: man how do they do it yeah it's mind-blowing and like the fact that Bodie's done it I mean I think Ted he's also like podiumed in every event yeah we had that
0: world champs that was insane three gold medals
1: yeah yeah. and then like Pintero. I think like Pintro is one of the guys, and you can put in Loikmajor as well, although he doesn't do downhill necessarily. Oh,
0: Schwartz. Schwartz. Schwartz yeah, in yeah.
1: the world championships. He mm. was top six every event. That's insane. And those are some of the guys, few guys, because it it's tougher now than, like, if you look at guys like some of the Norwegian legends, like Kjetl Shoes, even Axel. These guys, they did every event at a point, but it was a little different.
0: Back in the eighties, nineties, yeah, even early two thousands, I mean like early two thousands, because
1: yeah. people are more specialized now, and it's not taking anything away from what those guys did, but that makes for me like what Pintro and Schwartz, for instance, does, even more impressive because that for is sure. hard, and also with the with the schedule this year, or like last year, it's like crazy how much they race, and to be able to ski all these different events, which feels like different sports,
0: yeah, they do yeah, it's, sometimes,
1: it's insane yeah but uh yeah so i've gotten i've gotten big respect for those guys and i've also gotten really big respect for the speed guys even i did like my first world cup downhill this year in beaver creek yeah. i did a training run most nervous i was all season i was so scared and because things are like big and sketchy so yeah my respect has grown a lot yeah
0: for sure the downhillers are crazy they are. i'm curious about your comeback from injury now that it's your second injury, you had the MCL when you and Lucas did it January 8th two three years ago. Now, two years
1: ago, actually
0: 2021. Yeah. Uh, and now you have this one. Are you like, does it, it it's got to suck to be like, man, I, I was injured. Like I thought I got that over mm. and then you got injured again. Like, are you, my, I guess my question is, do you feel like you, you're smarter now, you have a way to prevent injury. There's there's kind of a pattern to why you got injured, or does it feel random?
1: The first one, I mean, like the first rehab, injury, and rehab process, the injury happened because I went way too hard in the race. That like I could see it coming mm-hmm. in a sense. Uh, cause that was I had podium the race the GS race before and I came to Al Bowden and I felt like I had to prove that I wasn't a one-shot wonder. Mm. big time and if, then i just skied without thinking and i skied so hard and crashed so i get i kind of get it and that i learned from mm-hmm. uh, and that process was somewhat fun because it was shorter in the first time but then this one when this one hit i was a bit more uh it hit me pretty hard uh yeah. both like physically and mentally as well because i think a little bit i've just really tried to reflect on why i crashed in the world championships and i kind of think it's a uh, if it's like one specific thing to point out, it's like not working well enough on the inspection and kind of focusing more on the course than the train. Cause I'd made, it was a blind gate with a roll and I got light over the roll and landed in a compression, which made me go out and split. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think kind of the reason why it might've happened was that two days before I was the combined, which was my world championships debut. And, um, I came into the race with hopes of a medal and I skied a, um very cautious super g so i was like 1.2 seconds out and i skied a great slalom and caught like six or seven tenths so i ended up fifth like under two tenths from a medal and everyone in my uh, in my debut and everyone came up to me like how are you going to handle this disappointment like the media wow people were like just like yeah you know they were they were painting it as a disappointment also like in norwegian media i was like fifth place in debut like because i was was the only i was the only norwegian (laughs) as well from both the boys and the girls who skied and they were like kind of putting it down as like a a failure and i was like i just finished fifth in my world champs debut and i'm 22 years old it's, it's like not a bad day it's not that bad of a day and then <laughs> screw I screw the media you man. know but then again it wasn't just that but then because i skied so cautious in the super g that's where i lost it.
0: personally you yeah. I, I bet personally you were like man i could have been a little bit faster yeah, exactly
1: yeah. and personally i i did what i could in the slalom yeah in the super g that kind of annoyed me and then with these small comments on top i was like okay i'm gonna prove myself in the super g in the same hill same snow i knew i could be fast and i skied really well and then I just lost my focus for a, set, a half a second over a, over a tough, in a tough section. And then next thing I remember, I was like in the net and I knew something was wrong
0: oh, right really? away.
1: Yeah. Like I could feel it. But I skied down uh, on my own feet because I was thinking like a lot of people are watching. I'm not going to make a big scene when I can get down myself. Uh, but then once I got into the finish and got into the medical tent, I was like, I'm screwed. That was my feeling.
0: Yeah. You so, felt your knee twist or whatever.
1: I didn't feel it pop, mm. but I just, I was like, gut feeling was this is bad. Yeah. Damn. And it took a long time. Like I actually, um, actually don't, I don't think I've really told many, but I, when they took me in for surgery, uh, they didn't know if my LC- ACL needed to be fixed or not. They weren't sure. Cause it wasn't a hundred percent torn. And I had the, the physio. The man, main physio on the Norwegian team was like, I don't think you need surgery. Let's do rehab for two months, and then our the doctor who was going to do the surgery on me was like, I think we should do it. And then they kind of gave me the choice, like, what do you want to do? You want to try and train it up, and then if you're if you're lucky, you're good in two months, or do you want to go in and have surgery? And I was like, I'm not waiting. Yeah. So then we went in and we had a look at the ACL, and it was like 90% torn.
0: On the MRI? You had to look. No,
1: I took an MRI, but
0: they went in. Oh, they, they like a, physically, physically opened went, up your knee. Yeah. It <laughs> just took a little peek. Yeah, so I was
1: put in <laughs> anesthesia like, oh, we'll wake up and see the answer. And then yeah. I was thinking like, okay, I'll either wake up and I'll be good in like a month or two, or I have nine tough months ahead of me. Yeah. And I woke up and they were like, sorry, bro. Damn. ACL.
0: Did you do uh, hamstring graft? No, oh, the quad. Quad, okay. Yeah, because yeah, everyone goes back and forth on that. Yeah. People do patella and that kind of messes with their patella for a while. It does. And that's not good for skiers. Yeah.
1: Like if you go into the details, like what different athletes, it depends on what sport you're doing. Yeah. For alpine skiers, it's normal to do like above the knee cap.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Like that quad tendon. Yeah. 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 So when we talked last, I'm just remembering this now, you talked about how you've had some moments where you're like, I don't know if... Like this is worth it. Like all of this hard work. And you've had moments where you're like, wow, like mental health is a, is a real thing. Like, mm. like kind of down in the dumps right now. Did you, was that like something you experienced after this knee injury? Like a little bit down in the dumps, a little bit questioning why you do it.
1: A uh, big time. Yeah. It really
0: was like this.
1: It hit pretty hard, especially like the first two months after surgery. Cause it was I could, like, first off, I couldn't believe I was back in the same position as I was two years before kind of thought I was done with it because yeah. they're all like, Oh, everyone gets through one knee injury in their career. But I didn't think I was going to have two by the age of 22, yeah. you know? So I felt, it felt kind of unfair, but you know, can't, can't think of it that way. But it was, it was, I had like a pretty tough period uh, being at home watching races on TV, which you like were hoping to ski. Yeah. Um But luckily I, you know, so I had some days that were pretty tough and, um, Luckily, I had you know a lot of good family around me. I had some friends who came by, and my girlfriend was taking really well, good care of me, and she was trying to do like trying to get my mind off things, which yeah. kind of helped. But in the end, it was I had days, especially if I want to point out like two days that were the absolute toughest for me in the rehab period was Palisade Slalom when and Olsen and Team One Hagen finished first and, first and second.
0: Oh, you just want to be there with your team
1: and Lucas when he won the Slalom Globe in and it was not because i was like ah, oh, i should have been there i should have raced i should have done it was how am i sitting here missing this experience yeah when sonder and timon take a double win and both it was like sonder's first podium timon's first podium in like four years and you know love those guys and we were such a tight team and i'm just seeing them getting videos that they're out celebrating having a great time and i'm sitting home and i'm like like this sucks big time. <laughs> that was, that was really tough. And then the same when Lucas won the globe, cause it was something about us being so tight together for so many years and like seeing his progress. And then, you know, we had a really good battle, uh, the 21, 22 season for the slalom globe or for like the slalom standings. Yeah. And it was like super tight. It was one point be- between us. So I knew, you know, how hungry he was to really kick ass last season and then him winning it and just, only being able to be there through the TV screen. Yeah. And then, you know, they went out and watched the El Clasico match afterwards, soccer uh, match. Yep. They went out partying in Barcelona and I was sitting <laughs> and just getting videos. And
0: Did you FaceTime him after he won no, the Globe? I tried. But no, he, you, no you, he was so busy. No, uh, no chance. And, yeah. Yeah.
1: I sent him. I Then I tried and I just sent him a message and I probably got an answer like five days later. Yeah. Because he was so busy. But, you know, those, those two days were really harsh. And I just sat at home and, you know, it was just hard to – I just had to accept that, the, like, the emotions, that it was tough and that I was in a slump and that there was nothing I could do about it there and then. And then it's gotten better. Like, I feel like with the my, my mental health and everything has gotten better throughout when I've physically gotten better as well because yeah. those are really connected. So then I've had after those – pretty much after the season was over, the World Cup season, then it started getting a bit better for me because yeah. then you weren't sitting there every weekend – Watching a race you were supposed to be in
0: yeah definitely i i I felt that a little bit you know I'd watched mm. some live timing when I was injured but exactly. uh, so I know I kind of know the feeling but it's cool to hear about your connection with the team because I know the Norwegian team connection is strong but it's just it's cool to watch you guys um and cool to hear about you're like I didn't want to be there for yeah, me I just want yeah, to be there for my team the team that's the <laughs> and, only reason yeah yeah and that's that's a beautiful thing to hear yeah. about um so I like that yeah. is there anything like you think points to you guys creating a team atmosphere is it just the fact that you prioritize it like was there anything when you joined the team the older guy sat you down and said this is how we do things as a Norwegian team
1: sort of Mm-hmm. It was um, like there are the team rules. Like we have some specific rules and like a game book that we go with. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's simple things like you always eat dinner together, uh, especially the night before a race. Oh, really? No, That's no exceptions.
0: Rule. No exceptions. Always dinner together, like before yeah. the race.
1: Like no phones at any meals, um, and all this stuff, and like try and do as much together as possible. Um, but then I remember Jan drew. He sat me down when because I, I was eighteen when I got in, or nineteen I was when I got into the like officially on the World Cup team. And he sat me down and what he told me was like, this was in the summer, he was like, um, what did he say? He said like, it doesn't matter when like, if you have World Cup medal, no, World Cup wins, Olympic medals, World Championship medals, if you have globes, it doesn't matter how many you have. If you're on this team, then you've like, you've made your way on it. You deserve it. And when you're on the team, we all have the same worth and we all have the same say. So like, Use your voice, like be yourself, and like don't be afraid to kind of participate. Yeah, is kind of the thing. Uh, and that helped a lot because then I was like, felt like I was able to participate and didn't feel like I was just the, the young guy who was coming with stupid stuff.
0: Yeah, you felt like you belonged.
1: Yeah, I felt like I belonged. And like what I could bring was I could bring intensity to the trainings. And I had no experience, but I could ski fast. Yeah. And try and push the older guys. And you know, that worked for them. And then what they can give back is experience and you know kind of show you the better show the better ways to work so that's like the foundation of why our team works and then it's also just trying to do fun things together outside of skiing yeah it's like when we were in new zealand like we're always trying to and i saw because i had to go home early yeah. and the guys were just on vacation because it was quite windy so they were skydiving and playing golf and swimming and yeah. doing all this stuff um so that's fun. You know, we try to do a lot of that stuff as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's really helpful.
1: Yeah. Uh, trying to become like, and we, like, I see my teammates more than my own family by far. Like, yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, I still say, sure. I still say that, like, Lucas is the person who I've spent the most nights in a double bed with, <laughs> yeah. like a queen size bed. And then <laughs> your my, girlfriend's jealous. yeah. And then my girlfriend, I'm t- I told my girlfriend, like, I think, like, we have to be together for like. Six seven years before? <laughs> no, I, I think ten years before she'll catch me, <laughs> yeah. or be before she'll catch Lucas. Yeah, because we have so many nights. Yeah, and uh, and that's the same with my other teammates as well. You know, we you see them because we train together in the summer, and it's like two months a year we don't see each other. So we have to be good friends. And yeah, on like good terms
0: for sure. I like yeah, I like that. I th- this summer or no, what was it? Last summer yeah. when I was with the U.S. team, um we had a like a. You know, we talked to a psych person, a psych person, she's, she's a, she's a great woman and, and, and is a really like accomplished psychologist. But she said, uh, you know, there's this pyramid of needs that need to be met before you can perform at your highest level. And the first is like food and shelter. And the next one's like sleep or something like that. Uh, But the next one after those very basic needs is like a sense of belonging.
1: Yeah. That makes
0: sense, and like I hear that, like you saying that with the Norwegian team, and I've definitely felt that, like you know, um, on the teams that I've been part of, you once you feel like you belong and you're secure, then you're just comfortable to do you and yeah, and to, be like, like be yourself you and be,
1: and then also kind of doing what you feel is necessary, because that's the hard thing. Like sports at a high level, you have to be selfish, but you can still be selfish and. Like be a nice person and help others. Yeah. In a sense, but that's why it's so good to like that we understand. Like we're a small team, we're seven guys in the tech team, and we know each other very well and like know how what we like and know each other's needs and that helps because then you can support each other much better. Yeah. And it's not like we don't get annoyed because man, I <laughs> yeah. get annoyed a lot, it's- and we all do. But then again, it's like there's there's space to like actually take the talk with someone if you have to
0: yeah do you think there is, is there any like specific stories you could tell me of when someone just got really oh i have at a really else?
1: good one from solden two years ago uh-huh. that was lucas and i we had a couple of clashes but this one was funny because um we were watching um i think we were like it was we it was lucas uh and i we stayed in a room and then timon haugen and fabian they stayed in a room but it was like one shared apartment so we had each room and then shared like
0: Living space. living space yeah
1: and we were watching squid game like oh, together that, that netflix yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah like and we were totally hooked but we were, were like watching it together all four and we watched a couple episodes and then lucas came into me and was like uh and was like hey do you want to watch and i was like yeah sure i'll watch and then he went into fab and timon and was like um you guys want to watch And like, nah, I was a little tired like just want to chill and then he was like, then he came in to me and was like, those guys don't want to watch. And I was like, okay, but if they don't want to watch, it's no stress for me, then I don't have to. And then he got really mad at me. And I was like, what? what? <laughs> he started like kind of not yelling at me, but got like really pissed and was like starting to say like, you always back out and always this. And I was like, where's this coming from? Like, it's a, it's a TV show. <laughs> yeah. And I got like seriously pissed and like, I don't scream often, but there I did. And I lost, and I lost it a little. And then I was like, okay, I'm like. I got to go. And then I went outside and like went for half an hour walk. I came back and I was looking at him. And I was like, let's go sit down and have a talk. And then we talked. And then, you know, what I realized was that he felt that, you know, him and I have always been backing each other and always been pushing. And every time there's a, uh, we need to like challenge the program or do what's best for us, we've done it together. But in that last period, he felt like I wasn't being strong enough being strong enough with him kind of I was backing out from the from the battle so he felt like he was standing in them alone mm-hmm. more and then what snapped for him was when i didn't watch want to watch the tv show because he was like it, i don't think he necessarily realized it but that's when he understood uh so then we had a long talk about it and it just strengthened us a lot more you know but that's like a funny totally stupid thing that made <laughs> Just exploded everything, and then once we got back, it was like really good. Like then it it totally helped because then I understood where he came from, he understood where I came from, and then like I could support him more, and then he could support me more, and we were like on the same page.
0: That's a great story. It's so funny that it was just Squid Game, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it wasn't just Squid Game. No, but that but was what, and that's, that's why,
1: like, that's what I took it for first, and that's why I got so mad at him because mm-hmm. like, how can you stand here? Getting so pissed at me, like literally, like screaming at me in front of Timon and Fabian for a TV show. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. "You, you're stupid, man." <laughs> and then once we went and talked, then he wasn't stupid. That's a great story. And so, um, so we've had a couple of those. We've, yeah. we've gotten a lot better. Like Lucas and I, especially, have gotten a lot better. But nice. it's also the same with my, the other guys on the team. There are always points where you're gonna have those clinches Then when you're on, when you live on top of each other so much, it happens for the most stupid stuff
0: definitely definitely yeah and now a message from on location what are you doing next summer how about an unforgettable trip to the olympic games paris 2024 let us plan your perfect trip to watch the world's best athletes from premium seats with exclusive access to hospitality lounges in the stadium along with tailored accommodation tours and more visit hospitality travel packages dot paris twenty twenty four dot org for more info well let's shift gears a little bit and you know hit some of these points that we talked about last time hell really have yeah. time um oh yeah we've got um I mean, how much how much time do you have <sighs> yeah you have i live? have time okay um four twenty right now um so <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Upbringing, I we talked about that a little bit last time, and yeah. I guess I don't. We don't need to hit every mark of your upbringing. You probably talked about it in other media, but it was fun to talk about your upbringing because we talked about that every the Norwegian system. And I I know everyone's always like, "Wow, the Norwegian yeah. junior system, how do they do it?" You know, I think like ten years ago, maybe it was always like, "Oh, the Austrian junior system, how do they do it?" uh But you you just talked about you know a couple of things I remember was races weren't timed when you were really young and they always had national events. So you could race against all the best in the country when you were young. Um, So yeah, just tell me a bit about like your upbringing yeah. as a young Norwegian skier.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, my dad, of course, he was a world cup skier, skied the Olympics for the U S let's yeah, go. Thank you very so much. <laughs> I always have that option to come over um, No, but so he, he was the one who got me into skiing. And I probably, you know, I probably had my skis on for the first time when I was like two or three, but that's something I don't remember. But I didn't really start skiing until I was maybe like six or seven. And I absolutely hated it to begin with. But then once I realized that I could take the lift up and ski down and then go in and have a cinnamon bun compared to my mom who brought me out for Nordic skiing, which <laughs> was like hiking up the hills, then I understood it was something for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Easy sell. Yeah. And then um, I didn't join my local ski club, which is like Baram Ski Club. Uh-huh. I didn't join it until I was maybe nine or something. So I just did a bunch of free skiing up throughout the throughout the years. And uh and then when I um kind of joined the club there, I was like, you know, you don't get you don't get times or results in Norway until you're eleven or twelve, I think. So I never like really had a concept of if I was fast ski or not. I just skied because I loved it. I remember my first coach in the ski club, we didn't ski gates for a full Uh, winter when i was like nine or ten i only did drills every like it was like two or three times a week after school went off and did like drills and everything which was fun and then once i started realizing i was a little more serious and kind of we we got results then i actually had like pretty decent results but it's when you're u14 so that's when you're like 12 and 13 that's when in norway you get matched with the whole nation Uh for the first time um and that's something that's quite unique, I think, with the Norwegian system. So then I remember going, we went to like the west coast of Norway. This was probably 2012, where it was, it's always pouring rain. They get a lot of snow early season and then it's pouring rain in like the spring. And we were there skiing. And I thought I was a good skier, but I finished like, I was like barely top 10 in like the GS and Slalom. So I was quite a ways behind. And that triggered that a little put a bit of fire th- in, something you. in yeah. me. I was like, oh, okay. Like,
0: I can get I better. S- I can get better. Yeah. Like,
1: and then, uh, you know, had a couple really good, like, you know, had some really fun years. We had a really good time in our ski club, uh, and uh, you know, we would always go to Hintertux during uh, during a fall break, and um, you know, just do a lot of skiing. But it was always fun, and we were a big group of skiers, like huge variety. We had some serious people, but then there was always. A lot of people who weren't that serious and were there because it was fun to ski. Yeah, so it was that's a good, a good person yeah. to have there. Yeah, it was because it just
0: reminds you that like you know you know the we, sport is fun. Exactly. So we had a yeah. couple
1: of guys who like I think they also knew that they were never gonna like ski in World Cup races or anything, but they just loved it and they brought like fun to the table. So it was so just I remember all my years being so much fun. And then you know, uh, skiing into fists. It was funny. Like I never won a national junior national title, neither Lucas or none of us. We ever won a national title when uh-huh. we were like young from the age of 12 to 16. Yeah. We didn't win. Huh? We were like, we were both close, but we never actually won. Cause there were so many good skiers, which was always like kept us pretty hungry or at least kept me really hungry. Cause it was like, I wasn't even the best skier in Norway yeah. in my age group. So how would I even have a chance in the fist system? And then coming into fists and going to ski gymnasium and, Kind of realizing like, oh okay, I, it's not just okay, I'm not the best in my age group, but my age group group's pretty good, and then you know, I started doing pretty well and scored some pretty good pretty good uh fist points and uh and it was kind of fun, and you know then I was starred to think about like the national team, but the problem is that and we talked a little about about this last time and why I think that the Norwegian team always has so strong skiers or has had over the last couple of. Like the last 20 years. Yeah. And it's a lot about the culture. Uh, Of course, like, you know, it's a big culture. You get to meet, you get to ski, like compete at a high level throughout the nation when you're younger and everything. But it's damn hard to get into the national team.
0: But once you're there, it's like you're good enough to be exactly. there. Exactly. So they are stuck there.
1: There are not many spots. We're, we're nine guys on the World Cup team and like seven or eight guys on the Europa Cup team. That's the whole Norwegian Uh, national team in skiing and And they just
0: leave develop. there's no D team right they just leave it to the ski gymnasiums developed name ski gymnasiums and like you can
1: find PG like PG uh, programs Mm -hmm. Uh, but that makes the competition super hard and I think that it's really harsh because there are so many good skiers who have like who in any other nation would be good enough to be on the national team and get some support yeah Uh, but in Norway they're not
0: yeah i see i have an experience with this i went t- to norway to ski some europa cups uh and i was training somewhere on, on some hill and we have like kind of the, all of the guys who were going to ski the europa cup the next day training yeah. and next to us on a lane was just the local this kids yeah and every one of them was good i was like what is this place yeah. like, how are- these kids are all gonna like finish high school and be done ski racing like they They'd crush the college circuit. they pr- maybe make the USD team. I don't know. It's crazy how much talent you guys have.
1: And that is. And I think that is because, you know, we have a lot of, like, when we're few skiers, all the skiers on our team
0: are good. You
1: know, they're really, really, like, you know, kicking ass, taking names, if you can say it in that <laughs> way. Uh, so, uh, so I think, you know, that's also been, like, a big. It's a big part of the Norwegian culture, winter sports and alpine skiing. And that's thanks to, you know, the guys many years ago building that you know building building the team and it's been built for like decades or not decades but like so many years they've been building it so um it's it's cool to be a part of it and we can't take any credit for it but with the it being so hard to get in on the team i think that's what makes the drive to get in even harder because then when you get on then you can some people maybe think oh i made it but then the ambitions are so big in world cup and there's you have to perform to stay on it so that's it, it kind of pushes it pushes you and it's it's a lot of fun though but it mm-hmm. does it does it is harsh cuz a lot of skiers who are really really good don't necessarily get the chance but that's why I think you see so many good skiers in the world cup because yeah. the only guys you see are like the guys who are like who have actually made it on the Really team. And, they've, you know?
0: and they they they've made it through the gauntlet yeah <laughs> So you talk about uh you know having fun when you were younger and this is something that I've talked to people about before is there's a point at which you're having fun and you're like 18 and you're you're like finishing high school whatever and I feel like my parents this might be an American thing they always told me just do it do it for the joy of it you know yeah. but at a certain point it's your job yeah. and it's putting food in the table and it's paying the bills like do you remember that transition in your mind of like this is like it's hard to keep it fun And is it, does it have to be fun because it's a job, like all those different things? That's
1: a really good question. I have the mentality that the day I feel like skiing is my job, I'm quitting. Okay. That's my mentality. That's a good mentality. Yeah. So I don't feel it's my job. Sometimes I can remind myself when I'm like, this is more during the summer when it's like question or not, if I'm not feeling good for a dryland session, I'm like, should I maybe just skip it? And then I'm like, then that can be a type of motivation. Like no man, you, you're all in for this. You got to do it, you know. And then it can help. But I think it it it's been like I've always had really good people around me. I've had a dad who's kept it fun for me because he knows like he was eaten up a little bit because he quit World Cups pretty early.
0: Interesting, because he age. just wasn't. It just wasn't. No, nah, was it was no joy just left. he
1: he lo- Yeah, exactly. And you know, so he, so he, and but he skied the pro tour, of course, which was different. But I think he he had a little bit of that experience that towards the end of his career was pretty done uh so he's always really pushed me to like make sure that it's fun because that's where the motivation comes from like the only like the best motivation is to have fun and that you love doing it um so that's been my focus, and then of course it's helped that like once I got the chance in Europa cups and like I've taken the steps pretty quick, and that's also given me you know it's given me like financial uh like it's giving me like a secure like secure financial security is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. So it's not that you know it's of course it's a factor, but
0: you're it, you're not fighting to survive anymore. No, yeah. You know, yeah. which
1: which is which is great, and it's just like I would ne- I never expected even to be at a level like that, uh, and that's kind of the um, that's kind of my mentality. I'm just so thankful and like just feeling lucky that I even got to this place. So then, of course, I'm gonna enjoy it. Uh, so I don't really have that many struggles. Like, of course, there are times, like, especially in the rehab period, where I've questioned a lot of it, like, like why? Why do I even, why am I even pushing this? But, yeah, in general, I feel like I have a pretty good mentality on it. And yeah. The main, my main, like, drive is just to ski fast. Because if, <laughs> yeah. if I ski fast, then I've always had, like, the mentality that if I ski fast, I everything will work out. And then I'll also get all these cool experiences. You know, that's kind of what I, getting these, like, you know, Lucas and I getting a double win in out last year. That's something I'll remember forever. Because that's, like, those are the moments that I work hard for. And then you get a bunch of benefits from it. But, you know, then those. And then that's something that I'll remember and be able to tell my kids and my grandkids. And it's, like, that's the perspective I'm trying to have on it. And it's easier when it's going well and tougher when you're struggling. But it's a nice thing to, like, kind of put put your thoughts on sometimes
0: definitely yeah oh man i had a great question oh equipment <laughs> uh last time we talked you you said that you had like slightly different canting for those who don't know what canting is it's the angle of your of your boot like you can change the angle like that it it tilts, it tilts whether more in or out, or out. yeah um and you have three different ones for like GS slalom and super G. I yeah. don't know if you want to tell everyone all your secrets, but that was interesting to me. And like, I don't know if for all the for all the tech geeks out there, if you want to like, you know, indulge in a little bit of tech. Yeah,
1: talk. I can indulge in some some equipment. Yeah, uh, it's always fun. Now, yeah, I do ski with different canting and slalom, GS, and speed. Uh, so. um of course it's like the most aggressive in slalom and I think it's like there's no there's no um there's no right or wrong yeah. cuz all bodies are different. Uh so sure. I ski like you know I ski uh if I'm going to go into numbers like I I ski point seven zero point seven five 0.75 out in slalom like straight line out and then I ski 0, 00 in GS and then a little bit on the minus in speed.
0: Oh that's okay. how I
1: like to do it. That's for people who qu- that's know. quite a big difference. It is a big difference, yeah. but the skis are different. Mm-hmm. And I always like that's how I've always I've always liked to have a little bit less aggressive than maybe other people on the boots, and then rather have more aggressive on the tuning on the skis. Because you can you can there are two fields to play with. You have the boots and then you have the skis. So yeah. I just have the uh experience that when I have my when my boots are too aggressive, which means that they're too far out, and then normally it starts shaking and stuff. Then I get like stuck, and I can't move in my skiing. Mm-hmm. And when I'm stiff, I ski slow. So that's kind of been then I, I, uh, I'm a guy who, if it's icy, I would rather have a little bit struggle a little bit with grip. Oh really? than having too much grip. Okay. That's how I've always liked to ski, because mm-hmm. then, then I need to actively work and make the moves to try and gain the grip instead of just trying to control whatever the ski's doing. So that's, that's how I've always, yeah. that's a little bit, I think my dad also, cause he was, I never knew it, but he was, he was fiddling with my equipment when I was, when oh, I started really? skiing for sure. When I was like 10, 11, tell 12. you? No. And you'd course. have a great run and he'd be like, yeah. nice job. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but that, it, no, it, it was more like, it was more like instead of just getting the basic ski and not doing anything with it, you know, he would, he would get the edges to the right angle or degree. And then he would take down with like. Uh, he would bevel my ski. Um like on which, the base? On like the, the base, base level. which means that you like which which means that you like take down the um that you take down the base a little so it gets a little bit rounder mm-hmm. so that the edge catches a little bit later. You know, he did that when I was younger because he always liked to ski with a little bit of bevel. So and that was good for, you know, like dry Norwegian snow when you're younger and you never ski on ice. It was perfect. So I think that's also a reason why I like it a bit more like that.
0: Okay, so you just grew up on like more beveled skis. Yeah. Interesting. I would say. Like, yeah. I
1: think that's, I mean, I for sure, that was for sure something. And that's, you know, I've always been like that. And uh, on, on equipment for me, I've always kept it pretty simple. Um, I find the, a boot I like in each event and I stick to it no matter the conditions. And then I rather change the ski and like the tuning on the ski.
0: Yep. So interesting. Yeah, that makes, that, that makes sense for sure.
1: Just kind of for me, it just takes out, uh, like it's not so many factors like different variables
0: yeah because that's
1: equipment as you can get
0: you can get deep you can get into lost, it yeah man. i, okay, I exactly. i've talked to a few guests about this i talked to dave riding about this exactly yeah and he he says the same thing it's yeah. like keep it simple tweak small things but tweak them in a controlled way yeah and
1: especially him who's you know been skiing slalom for so many years and then it's easy to think that you need to like revolutionize something But if you find something you ski fast on, you're going to ski fast on it most of the times. So, you know, I think that's, people are different, but that's how I am on equipment.
0: This leads me to this question that I've always wondered. When you made your step to winning World Cups, did you tweak anything in your equipment and it was suddenly like, boom?
1: Yeah. Kind of. Okay. Sort of. uh. So yeah, like it was for me, for me, a really big step was um, getting my first podium, which was almost three years ago, actually in Alta Badia. yes,
0: GS. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I was sec- uh, like finished second there and I had some really good races coming up, but that was my first year with like a head service guy, which was a big deal, you know, oh, to, have a that makes a difference. With, to have a factor yeah. service. And we were doing a lot and I had such a hard time in the preseason. Nothing was working. My back was hurting. Uh, which I never had back problems, but all of a sudden I did. And I couldn't. I really struggled to ski. And then I went into Solden and I took like a 180. I skied Switch down the pitch oh. and I almost qualified. <laughs> so I skied decent, but it was something wrong. And then right in before like the December uh, period, we hit some aggressive snow and then I was like, oh, it's shaking so much. And then Mike, my service guy, was like, I have a pair of skis that are beveled more. Back to what I liked when I was yeah. younger. And he was like, should we try them for a run? And I was like, oh, okay, let's let's do it. Because I'd skied on a zero point five bevel for anyone who yeah knows what that is, which is fairly standard in Giant Slalom. Yeah. And then I went to something that was less reactive. I skied so well. And then I went back to back races in Santa Catarina. I finished fifteenth and eleventh. Those were my first G S points. And then my wow. third and then my third race was Alta Badia, and I finished second. So it took me it took me like ten days between my first GS points and my first GS podium, and that was a lot because I just found that technical, no, that um, that uh, equipment thing, yeah. which just it helped my style of skiing better, and then it matched the conditions that we had that period, and you know, all of a sudden, it just that was the thing I needed to ski to my potential. Interesting. And the same thing happened in, in before fall. my first swirl capodium and slalom which was Schladming in 2022 so a year ago or a little more and this is super now we're talking very specific like equipment <laughs> yeah. but for people who know it's exciting um i really struggled i had broken my thumb uh on new year's eve so i missed Zagreb and Adelbo in the first races i came back to wangen uh, and it was icy and I had no grip and i was like why don't i have grip we tried everything i went to kitzbühel Uh, I gunned it. I went out after five gates because my edges were way too sharp because I was trying to compensate. And I tried to ski the days before schlopming because it's like Kitspiel's on a Sunday. Schlopming's on a Tuesday. So I had Monday and then Tuesday. Tuesday morning. Morning. Yeah. And I like, I I went Monday. I couldn't ski. I was like, what is going on? Like I, some of the worst skiing I've ever done. And I was like, I talked to my dad and I was like, I'm not that bad. I just can't believe I'm that bad. And he was like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. you're not that bad. Something's wrong. And then I um and then I went back and then I played back a scenario that had happened in twenty eighteen where I had the same issue. I was skiing on Nordica and had the same issue. And what I did was I moved my binding forward. The whole binding, I moved it a centimeter forward.
0: One hole. Yeah, like yeah. a hole forward.
1: And then I skied. The day after when I skied on Nordica, like I went up and I actually won the race and then I got disqualified. It's a funny story. We can take another time. <laughs>
0: Why are you disqualified?
1: Because the TD meant I straddled and no one's I straddled. And then his racer won the race. Oh, yeah. no way. Yeah. That's so sketchy. Yeah, it was super sketchy.
0: You didn't actually straddle. I,
1: if it was a straddle, I still don't believe it. If it was a straddle, it was such a clean straddle. But I didn't feel anything. So I was stoked, man.
0: And then he and then his and then I, kid then, won the race, and oh, that's sketchy. Okay, anyway, anyways, back to uh, the story.
1: Then I did the same thing. I was mm-hmm. like, let's try. I talked to my service, and he was like, ah, we don't do that that often, but let's try it. I went up the morning of the race, skied amazing, just right from the first one. Did three runs, was the fastest of all the boys, and I was like, yeah, well, maybe it's just lucky. We'll see. And then I pulled up in the race, and I was like, bib 34. I was seventh after the first one. I finally finished. And then the second one, I just skied great, and I finished second, like 200 from the wind. and that was just that one small change that that's gave crazy. me. But it gave me the confidence to ski how I knew I how could ski. you how you normally ski. And that's the thing, like that's why I had the same boots, the same ski, the same construction, almost the same tuning. It was just the small thing that gave me that little extra support that I needed, and then I skied well. Yeah. So that's those are some pretty interesting.
0: It, that's things. really interesting to hear because sometimes. You watch someone ski way faster, and you think they must have reinvented the wheel. Exactly. Like what 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 crazy invention have they figured out with their tuning and skis? But mm. it's it's small tweaks, yeah. to just make you feel at home on your skis. Exactly. Okay. At least, I mean, I'm I'm saying that definitively. It's not always that, you know, but if in your case, it is that.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, and and that's what I think. Like, that's my way of working through things. It's like, you need to find something you're comfortable on first and then do the small tweaks. And then my dad always said, and it's not, it's from, which which American football coach is this, who said, "Uh, you're never as bad as you think you are when you're bad, and then you're never as good as you think you are when you're winning. Or like, you're never as bad as you think you are when you're losing, and never as good as you think you are when you're winning. And it kind of shows like, it's a sh- really short way between like, being in a tough place to all of a sudden be winning.
0: Yeah. I I love that saying. Yeah. It's a really good saying. Well, we're, we're getting towards the end here. Uh, But one question I've decided I'm going to start asking everyone I have on the podcast, this all question, right. uh, if, if you could change one thing in fifth World Cup ski racing to make it better, whether it's better for the athletes or better for the audience, what would it be?
1: Such a good question because they're they're trying now to do new they're things trying. um i'm gonna i'm gonna pick something that's realistic okay, and that is um it's kind of two things uh or it's it's kind of the same it's having different bibs more special bibs uh in ski racing in the competition so now it's now it's only the leader bib and then there's some like it's a graphic for if you're like the junior oh skier, yeah, yeah. but make it make it more fun like give out prizes for the best client like the best climber who's climbed the most positions yes most yep. consistent like make more categories like they do in biking uh, and then also have like do better exposure like like formula one does like get make it a big deal. They have like these great prizes like overtakes of the month, fastest pit stops. Make a deal out of it. Yeah. That's something that is so easy to do. And it doesn't have to change our sport, but which should make it more exciting for the viewers and the skiers. So that's like the one great idea. Realistic ideas. thing I would change. Yeah. And then if it came to you know, then it's tough to because re- if you want to do something totally different, then you have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. And Alpine skiing is great because it's Skiing, like, you know. yeah yeah Slalom, GS, super G there's downhill. tradition. Those you are mean, traditions. Yeah. You don't change them. Yeah. But you make it more exciting for people to watch and get people to come and see, and that grows the sport. Because it's always the fans and the viewers who are gonna grow the sport, not this
0: Exactly. Yeah, I think those are great ideas. You're right. There's so many lost moments in skiing. Like Ben like, Ben Richie yeah. uh lost his pole in their slalom race, grabbed it the wrong way around. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that yeah, in I've Madonna yeah. and was and was skiing. I saw one reel of it. Like, yeah. if that was Formula One, it'd be a YouTube video. It'd, it'd be, be fantastic. Everywhere. And people would like, people don't just come to watch someone win. They come to see everything it's that so, happens. Exactly. Yeah. It's, people love all the other things.
1: Like, imagine, that's one thing I've thought. In Kitzbühel, in the last Stylhang, the, the side hill, which, you know, you go through the Red Bull uh, blimp or, uh, you know, Hausberg. Yeah. And then you hit the side hill, and then you go down to the finish. Make a Red Bull sponsored split. Yeah. And then it's like whoever skis the the side uh, the side hill, the toughest part of kids people, whoever skis that the fastest, gets like an extra prize or something, and they make a deal out yeah. of it. Yeah. Wouldn't that that would make so much sense? Yeah. You know, do these small things, and it doesn't take much effort from anyone. It doesn't have to reinvent anything. It, it'll just make it more fun for people to watch. And more fun for us athletes, because then there are more incentives to try and do good things, for mm-hmm. sure.
0: And then, if like it, I feel like sometimes in ski racing, it's such a brutal sport because if you don't win, you're like, well, I, I either win or I lose, and most of the time I don't win, yeah. unless you're Hersher, or Michaela. But exactly the like, it'd be nice to have these little prizes, yeah. the Red Bull split or the bib, the climbing bib, because then you feel like, hey, you know, I didn't win, but at least I got a small, exactly, prize. and and that's a
1: big deal. Like in biking. You have the sprint jersey, the climbing jersey. You have all these different jerseys, and they're a big deal to win. Yeah. Try and make that in skiing. It doesn't take much.
0: I love it. Really love it. Well, last question always in the pod is, do you have anyone to shout out, anything to shout out, ideas to talk about, anything you want, the floor is yours?
1: Well, what did I say last time? I remember I had, I can't remember uh yeah i had november last time because oh, it was november yeah i'll do that again okay yeah i'm looking forward to november they do such a great um they do they do really a good a good thing you know it's um it's a lot they do a lot of work for mental health also uh prostate cancer awareness and a lot of other different male cancer awareness so just a great cause and i'm already looking forward to grow my stash out this you got year. a little bit going. i got a little going right i might start having to save now already yeah. But, you know, November is, I'm looking for it. I'm trying to find out something fun to do this year. That could, I could uh, maybe get some engagement something. Like a really fun mustache. I mean, I don't have the facilities for that, if I can <laughs> say it that way. More just, like, do something fun. I had a really good video two years ago, which was, like, when I had to go away from my mustache. So, I'm trying, to think, of th- trying to think of something fun. Okay. But, yeah, November. Everyone grow out of stash. and.
0: Everyone grow out a stash. Yeah, that'd be fun. I like that. Hell yeah. Well, thanks for visiting Arc City, Atla.
1: Thank you. Uh, Great being back.
0: After we stopped recording, Atla and I chatted for a bit. I made sure to thank him for being so just straightforward and honest. Sports stars get asked a lot of questions all the time. They constantly have to deal with people curious about their lives. And I've noticed that many stars, after a certain point, just give stock answers. They don't bother to think too deeply. But in this interview with Atle, it seemed that every single answer was thoughtful and original. And I really appreciate that. The episode is coming to a close soon, but before I go, I have one request of you all. Send me some mail. Email or Instagram DMs both work well. I used to do a mail reading segment, and I think I'm going to start it back up. I'm less inclined to suggestions these days, unless you have Bodie Miller, my dream guest, on the line, because I have pages of potential podcast ideas at this point and just not enough time to get to all of them. No, I'd actually love to hear concepts, ideas, stories, something I can read on the podcast that starts an argument or illuminates an idea or makes us laugh. I won't read all the mail on air, and I won't use your last name. Don't worry. Another closely related task for you guys as well. I'm running out of ski racing history nuggets, or maybe I have a higher standard these days. Regardless, if you have history to share, and especially if you know places where I can read some ski racing history, Send me a note. And with that humble request, I'll bid you all adieu. Until next time, make sure to watch some World Cup races, go skiing, I mean, it's winter, finally, and help me try to convince Atla McGrath to ski for the U.S. in the next Olympics. I'm Jimmy Krupka, and thank you for visiting Arc City.